What I want everybody to understand is leaders are not charged with having all the answers. Their job is to fix the destiny and figure out what the questions are to get the answers. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. And before we get rolling, hey, the content you're going to hear today is going to be fire. Share this out with at least three people. That's how we grow. That's how we help more and more in this world and spread the news. That's the only way that we grow. So share this, please. And today, get excited for this because I have a former president of the National Speakers Association with us today who has 36 years of proven sales and leadership experience and he's author of Lead Seller Get Out of the Way and also author of Velocity Mindset that we'll be talking about today keynote speaker and sales growth expert Ron Carr welcome to the show thank you Rick how are you doing today I'm doing amazing my man energetic as always how about you same. Yeah, I love it. I have too much energy. They don't know what to do with it. <laughs> That's what everyone says about me, too. It's like, man, I wish I had half your energy. It's like, well, why don't you just have all my energy? You there know, you I go. think everybody could have that. It just Absolutely. all depends on how you feel about life and, and business or your mission, your purpose, everything, right? Yeah, I mean, energy is really important. And, and it's also how, what we're living to our life that adds or takes away from the energy. Yeah, Which right we're going to get into today in your interview. We sure are. Right on. We were just talking before the show a little bit too, and you you were you said a comment. You like you researched me, and you love seeing entrepreneurs that make it. You know, and I was about to say this, and then we got you know scolded a little bit, which is okay because we're saving it for the show. It's about to say I feel like every day though is almost like I'm starting fresh. You know, almost like I'm always in a startup mode. When I was in sales and even in my own business for the last 35 years, I always say that every day I wake up unemployed. Yeah, that's the right way to look at it, right? To get employed, right. Because you're only as good as what you did yesterday. What are you <laughs> going to do today and tomorrow to be relevant? For sure. It's almost as if sales and business is kind of like a serial plot, you know? And I think back <laughs> to... It, TV shows that I've really enjoyed and there's the episodic ones, right? Which I, I love friends, you know, that's back to the nineties. They just had the reunion just a couple months ago. Awesome. Yeah. But that's a good one for me to kind of just tune out to at night. But the, the series that I really get stuck into is something like blacklist to where there's a serial underlying plot that just happens throughout the entire season. And that's how life and entrepreneurship is. At least I feel like it should be, you know, you've got this underlying plot that exists but every single day you're doing something fresh and new and how about this us being the underlying plot yes right on phenomenal <laughs> because, because our success and failure is with the one constant yeah right on oh that's amazing so national speakers association i've known individuals that have been a part of that right you were the president of that for a while right right in 2013 and 2014 yeah nice how'd that roll for you because it, it seems like there's some some waves that exist in that association here and there well like any organization you have your cycles but i've been a member for th over 30 years it's been a great uh learning tool for me as i grew my speaking business and consulting business yeah and the relationships that you make in the organization are just lifetime so it's great but i gotta tell you rick you know if you asked me when i was 14 years of age that i think that that was in my dreams the answer was no for sure and the reason is and i shared the story when i had my acceptance speech you know for the presidency 
I said to the 2000 thought leaders and speakers, I said, many of you don't even know what I'm going to tell you right now. But as a young boy, you know, I was basically humiliated. And that's a polite way of saying bullied each and every day by supposedly friends and other people for one reason. I was diagnosed with this speech impediment. I couldn't enunciate the letter R. Now, when people would ask me what was the condition, I couldn't even tell them because some brilliant person decided to name the condition <laughs> with a word that starts with a letter I can't even enunciate. That's a little cruel. Yeah. It was called roticism, or as I can only call it, oticism. And then I was given a name by my brilliant parents, Ron Carr. So I couldn't even enunciate my name. Wow. So when you speak to friends and, you know, talk to girls and you can't even tell them what it is or what your name is, you know, the bullying would come in and it was yeah. very painful. So I learned at an early age, you know, when the pain gets to be so great and you don't like the reactions, well, you got to change your actions because it's the actions that create the reaction. So if you don't like it, what are you going to do about it? And I went to a school pathologist and I spent 45 minutes with her and stormed out in disgust because she had me putting my tongue in places that I couldn't even fit and words and sounds came out that I didn't recognize. Hmm. So I went back to my pain, like we all do sometimes. We think that the, you know, there's not a better way. And then after another year of another painful year, I decided we're going to fix this. And I found a speech pathologist in New York and I went to see her and I asked her, is there really help? And she said, yes, but you have to understand it's not going to take one week. It's not going to take two months. Are you committed to making it work? Because it's going to take once a week here for six months, two years, whatever it is, plus everyday practice. So when I made that commitment, Rick, I finally got rid of it in two years. Wow. And so, but why did I make that commitment? I didn't have NSA in my vision at that time. But what I had was a vision of living a life fully free. And the only way to do that was to fix my, uh, fix my speech impediment. And I share that because, you know, in the book, The Velocity Mindset, if I, if I ask you, Rick, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word velocity, the word would be? Momentum. Momentum, right. And that's what we yeah. get, momentum, speed. But that's not velocity. And that's all it is in people's minds. And you're going to burn out. Oh, I mean, how many sure. times are we running out so fast each and every day doing our to-do list? And at the end, we're so exhausted, but we're asking ourselves, what did we really accomplish? The true definition of velocity is speed with direction. And it's the direction where you're going that is the reason why we all have drag in our lives or we don't get to where we want to be. It's either the wrong direction, it's either we don't have a direction at all, or we don't even believe in the direction. Yeah, that seems like a prerequisite, right? Before even having the speed to get there. Otherwise, you're just going in multiple different areas and you have no idea what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. If, if, for example, it's like, you know, you're going to Newark Airport and you want to go to Miami. If you ask the pilot where we're going, he goes, I have no clue. Would you stay in that plane? And the answer is no. Pilot starts with the end of the site, Miami. Works his way back, picks the two, three, or four waypoints that he knows if he passes them, he's on his way. Then he looks for the obstacles, storms, winds, makes changes for that. And he finds the best way to get there safely and faster. Hmm. So that's what you have to have. Now, the gentleman who wrote the forward to the book, Dr. Nita Cobain, who's the president of High Point University, I did a, 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 an interview like this with him, and we talked about having vision. And uh, he came from Lebanon with $50 in his pocket, and he built himself into a multi-million year. He's the president of High Point University. He's, 
He's been inducted into many Hall of Fames. He's made it. So I said, Nito, when he came here to the U.S., he must have had a vision. And he had a great distinction. He goes, Ron, I had an vision of what I wanted my life to be. But clarity of vision only comes through the journey. Oh, man, that's powerful. So you don't have to have all the details up front. And one of the things we actually write about in the book in the velocity is when people create their destiny, we can get into how to do that. What scares people is when they think big and they don't have the answers up front. So if, if people have their destiny and they have the answers up front, then they're probably not thinking big enough. If you're trying to chart new territories, then there's no data for you that yet. So how can you have the answers? What I want everybody to understand is leaders are not charged with having all the answers. Their job is to fix the destiny and figure out what the questions are to get the answers. Ooh, that's a key point too, figuring out what the questions are because the answers, there was a, a good friend of mine, Naveen Jain, you know, the, the tech billionaire who, who told me one time he was on the show two years ago. He's like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they go wrong by trying to come up with all the right answers. He goes, the successful ones have the right questions. Exactly. So I'll give you an example. I was brought in in the early 90s by a multinational chemical manufacturer. And I spoke for all the divisions. And there's one division, you know, the VP came up and he goes, look, you know, we created this reagent for mining copper. It took us 20 years. And it saved the copper mines from going bankrupt. They cut in half the cost of mining copper. So when we came out with it in the 80s, our sales went up like this, you know, significantly. And then what happens when that happens? Your competition sees this money. They re-engineer. They can't match your product, so they do it by price. So at the time they got a hold of me, their world's market share went from 80% down to 60%. But the largest copper mine in the world, the company that had five mines, was going up for bid. And they said, can you help us with the bid? And I said, sure. So I flew out to Tucson. We sat down. I said, one question. What do you want from my intervention? Now, that industry always bought bid every three years for lowest price. That's what they did. So they relied on their past experiences to come up with what they wanted. And they said, we want to win the bid. But I said, that was not my question. I want you to leave your past experiences aside. I want you to leave your biases aside. What do you think can happen? What do you think can happen? And I want you to get into your heart. What do you truly want? Where's your passion? It's a big and, all ask. Started, and all of a sudden they started saying, well, why do we have to bid? We saved this industry. I said, okay, what do you want? Negotiated agreement. I said, okay, how long? They usually do three years, 10 years. How much? You got 25% of the demand, 75%. So then I said to them, I said, look, you can do that if you really want to. Negotiate a deal, 10 years, 75%. You just have to recognize it takes a different set of actions to get there than it does to win a bid. So if I break this down, what we did was what I call in the book, a clean piece of paper. Whenever you want to create different results, you know, do something different, uh, achieve different ways of living for your life, whatever it is, start with that clean piece of paper, put your biases and experiences aside and write down what you truly want to create for yourself. Forget whether you think it's possible or not, just put it down. Now, then they asked me the fateful question after we did that. Well, how are we going to do it? And my answer was, I have no clue. And they go, what? And they go, look, if I, you don't have the answers yet because you haven't done it. All right. Our job is to go and ask good questions of the market 
find out where the gaps are, and put together a value proposition that's going to motivate them to want to do that. 18 months later, they close a 10-year, $200 million deal. That's awesome. They changed the way the industry works. The how almost acts as like a safety net for a lot of individuals, I've noticed. You know, or well, a reason to not even proceed in the first place because they feel that w when they have the answers there, it's almost as if they're trying to find all the reasons to say no. Right. It, it try, trying to like come up with all these things. It's like we're trying to get there. But if we find out the how, oh, well, I can't do that or that's going to be too much work or I don't know the right people with the right competencies to accomplish steps eight, nine and ten out of this 27 step plan. You know, so the how prevents people from stopping. And I've, I've always felt that real, true, committed entrepreneurs. You know, when everyone else finds the 99 ways to say no and not do something, they find the run, the, the one single reason to actually do it. And that's what makes us a little crazy and insane, but also successful. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, Rick. So uh, let's get into why people, the 99% come up with that answer that they can't do it. Um, the premise of the velocity mindset was look this. What if everyone in the world lived as a leader and not a victim of circumstance? What would the world be like? Dude, you're opening up a can now because you're starting to talk about victim mindset. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, and, I, and I came to that because when I was after the presidency of the National Speakers Association, that was the pinnacle of my career. Now, the time was not my own, you know, so my speaking engagement went down to the law NSA. But I faced nine surgeries right after my presidency Whoa. in three years. Most of them were on my back. You know how Tiger Woods had one level fused in his back? Yeah. I have nine levels fused. And I still play golf. How are you doing now? I'm playing golf. You're I'm playing golf. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But, uh, but the thing is, when I was down and out doing those surgeries and I couldn't travel, you start thinking about your life. And at that time, I was approaching 60. So I started thinking to myself, Okay, look at your successes. No great successes, you know, President Bennett saying all that good stuff. But then I started looking at the things that I didn't even accomplish. And when I started asking myself why, it's because I didn't even try because of my fears and my stories. So we all have stories and fears in our minds, all of us, even the most successful people. And I started thinking about it. And then I started looking at velocity, it was speed with direction. And I decided, you know, I don't have a lot of time left. I'm approaching 60. The runway is getting shorter. I really want to do some of these things and let it get going. And so when I thought about speed, I realized it's not just speed. Also, it's about direction and all that. And I started doing that. But it gave me the passion for the next phase of my professional life to start the velocity mindset movement so that nobody at the end of a period in their time wakes up and is depressed because they didn't even try to go after what they want. That's awesome. So I, yeah. I'm sorry. So when I looked at it, uh, the stories that we have in our minds, and this was a powerful thing. And, and I got this when I was young, you know, um, uh, I'm a son of a Holocaust survivor who it's been documented that children of Holocaust survivors have abuse in the family. Why? It's because the father didn't love the son. No, they loved him. What they went through was so horrific. They would do anything to keep the son from having to face the same fortune. And so it was very strict and abusive and it led you with no confidence. And so you start thinking, why is someone doing this? I know he loved me and all that. But as I went through getting rid of that albatross around my neck and I was dealing with a coach, the one thing that she blew me away with was this concept. 
She goes, look, whatever your father did with you, he did for his own reasons, for which you don't know. You're, you're assuming. But whatever he did, you internalized it and created a story as to what you think it meant. The good news is whoever writes a story can rewrite it. So stories are emotional, have a, a fuel by emotion. And when I tell people, if the story is serving you well and propelling you for it, leave it. It's great. But if it's not, then rewrite it. Because the only one who's going to lose and not move forward is you. So that's what came out of that. And that's what we put into the velocity mindset. How do we get leaders? Who's everybody in this world? Because you're a leader of your own life, if you're, if you're not even managing other people. But how do we get people to stop having their stories and fear stop them? Dream as to what they really want to create and get on that journey to do so. I have a question for you based upon that too, because everyone knows the, the well-popular book, Think and Grow Rich, right? right? Napoleon Hill. And there's a phrase in that book that says, uh, desire backed by faith knows no such word as impossible. That's, that's quoting Napoleon Hill. And you're talking a lot about fear and so was I about all the reasons why people fail to move forward or just actually really they make the choice. They don't fail because fail implies trying, right? <laughs> fail implies that they actually started some movement to begin with, but make the choice to not even start or not or, or to stop halfway through whatever. But there's fear that's involved in that. So what's the threshold and how does that desire and uh, like Napoleon Hill talks about, how does that desire finally overcome the fear? Well, the desire has to be so great in terms of what you really want that you're willing to put up with anything to get there. That's the basic answer to that. So what happens is when people have a destination mapped out for themselves and they're not passionate about it, they don't really believe in it. They're not going to do it because all those fears will get in the way and anything that can stop them will stop them. So that's why we say start with that clean piece of paper. What's going to energize you? What's going to you know, give you the mojo that you really want to make this thing happen going forward? That, and when you get to that level and the passion's really there, that's when you'll start dealing with the fears a little bit better. Now, the fears and the stories we think are insurmountable. But if you can just understand that it's you who created that so you can change it, it takes away a lot of the emotion, the negative emotion from that, okay? Well, why do people have fears? Number one, we all have, many of us have a perfectionist syndrome. And I go into that about my back surgeries. And there was a great book, Healing Back Pain, by a doctor who recognized I can give you all the pain pills I want. But most back pain is not because of structure. It's because the mind gets close to the subconscious. You don't like it. And the mind creates pain as a diversion. All right? So I'm going to let that sit there. It's a great book, Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. But at the end of the day, we are only going to do what we really want to, what we're really passionate about. We're not going to do what people tell us to do. We're going to do what we really want. So ground yourselves in the passion and then understand you don't have to have the answers up front. That takes away some of the pressure. But then the other thing is understand you must fail in that process. What do I mean by that? Failure is going to happen whether you want it or not. It's part of life, all right? Usually a very good part of life. Yeah, I mean, even, exactly. even with failure, I mean, it doesn't mean, I talk about this, it doesn't mean that it's not going to suck <laughs> when you're right. going through it. But, but you're right, a good part of life. So let's take baseball, okay? I'm a Yankee fan, don't hold it against me. Um, <laughs> you know, if you have, uh, 
if you have a baseball player hitting 300, they're considered a hero and they're given tens of millions of dollars. So what does a 300 hitter mean? It means that out of every 10 at bats, seven times they fail miserably. And only three times do they get a hit. But we don't get penalized for the failures most of the time. We get rewarded for the successes. So when that batter strikes out, how do you respond to it? What's the story you tell yourself? Oh, I'm no good. I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Which is obviously going to be into a negative connotation going forward. For sure. And that's human nature too, especially in the moment of the suck. Exactly. Or do you sit there and say, okay, and this is what we put in the book. What can I learn from it and do different next time? Take the emotion away from it. I struck out. Now, my daughter played softball, okay? And um, she was a great a cleanup hitter, power hitter. And in one of her summer leagues, they were eight and eight. One eight, lost eight. So if you're eight and eight, you qualify for the playoffs. A couple of their losses were downright nasty. There was this one team that had a pitcher that was pitching at 65 miles an hour, a softball, which is the equivalent of 95 miles an hour. For that yeah, ball. no kidding. They couldn't get their bat on the ball. They were losing 23 to nothing in the third inning. They were mercy. All right, now move fast forward to the playoffs. They win the first game, and all of a sudden they find themselves in a championship game. And who are they playing? That team and that girl who they couldn't get their bat on the ball. Now, it's New York or New Jersey. It's mid-July, humid, hot. These girls are panting, just warming up. What do you think their mindset's all about? Why are we even doing this? Let's just go have peach and they can be the, the uh, championships, right? That was going through their minds. So the two coaches who I used to coach with, but I was traveling too much, they're looking up here to the sky for help. Then they see me and they say, hey, you, Mr. Motivational Speaker, come here. You got five minutes, motivate them. <laughs> Don't you love that? <laughs> Dude, I've experienced the same thing. <laughs> and it's like, this guy's the most inspirational guy I know. So, um, Rick, what do you got? Lift her up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I, I said five minutes. It takes five minutes to get going, let alone have yeah. a beginning, middle, and end. But then again, I'm dealing with nine female teenagers. Is there any such thing as motivating a teenager, let alone nine girls about to get killed? There's stuff that'll motivate a teenager. I have to. <laughs> yeah. And then before I even start, they put them on a bench. Out of my eye, I see this one girl giving me the evil eye. Who's that? My daughter. And she's giving me the message. This is my life. You better not screw it up. <laughs> Talk about pressure. So I'm trying to think of what to say. So the most mundane motivational quote came out. Hey, if I ask you not to think about pink elephants, what do you got to think about? They all said pink elephants. But why? I asked you not to. The secret is the mind cannot process the negative. So I said to them, look, I know you lost. That's history, okay? You couldn't get the bat on the ball. We know that. But you have a choice now. If you go up to the bat and all you have in your mind is thinking about how you hope you don't strike out. Remember, the mind doesn't process, don't. You only think about striking out. And all your body and mental actions are going to be towards that and that's what's going to happen. So what's the opposite of striking out? They said, get a hit. That's all I want you to do. Visualize the, the direction you want to go. Where's the ball going to go? Can you do that? They go, yeah. They won that game seven to four. Awesome. And it just goes to show you like any day, you know, you, you can have a, a poor team beat a good team. Why? Because it's not just the skills that come to play. It's the mindset. And that's why we call it the velocity mindset. You yeah. dictate your mindset. 
And it's so powerful because it dictates what you can do in life or can't do. So many times when I'm talking with sales or leaders, the first thing I'm saying before you figure out what you're going to do with the customer, what's your mindset? That's phenomenal. So let's play out this scenario, right? Federal unemployment supplementation is done. People are having trouble finding a job, even though, you know, there's a lot of job availability that exists, but depending on where the country is, there's different places that actually don't have as much job availability. You know, it's like the Midwest has a lot more, but then you look on the coast and there's a lot less. It depends. So someone's like, oh no, what am I going to do? What if I have trouble finding a job? I'm going to have trouble finding a job. How do you shift their mindset in that to, to be like, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to find a job that's going to be over and above what I need to support my family. And the federal unemployment supplement that, that's done doesn't even matter. Yeah. Uh, stop looking for a job. What? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I would tell them. Stop looking for a job. Right. Look for your future. Start with that clean piece of paper. Nice. What are the outcomes you want from that job? What's the lifestyle you want? What's the type of environment you want at the job? What do you want to feel like? What are you willing to put up with? What are you not willing to put up with? And then go create that. When you have that in your mind, then number one, you're going to have the passion. You're going to have a new creative juices released to find out what jobs fit in that category. And more importantly, you're going to do what it takes to get there because you want it so bad. But who's really motivated by having a job? That's that blank piece of paper. I love that, man. Right. Yeah. So now they've done that. What comes after that blank piece of paper? Because there has to be some action around that, right? And that's the, the speed, right? Right. Well, next what's the speed. It's your actions now. Okay. The reason why that direction is so important, it's like when I did with that chemical reagent company. Your direction dictates the actions you do on a daily basis. If you don't have the right direction, then you're going to be doing actions that don't serve that. And that's why you don't accomplish it. So like the pilot story, start with the insight. What do you want to create for yourself? Work your way back to get those waypoints. What are the three or four things that you know you're hitting them? It's going to lead to that job. What are potential obstacles and try and map out a way to move forward. And what are the actions that are going to help you get there? For example, if all you have is I just need to find a job, that means you're going to be taking any interview that comes along and you're going to be going in there and you're going to be doing things that may not serve you well in that interview. And you're not going to have the results that you want and you're going to get more depressed. But when people want to make a career for themselves, and they want to help people. And that career happens to be in the medical industry. Yeah. And they want to become not just a job as a physical therapist, but they want to be the physical therapist that makes people's lives better so they can live longer. Okay. What are the actions that are necessary to get there? It's going to be a different set of actions than finding a job as a physical therapist. Does that make sense? For sure it does. And I want to encourage people too that, you know, just like we were talking towards the beginning of the show, that you might, well, you probably at least hopefully might not even know what all those actions are, but at the very least, you'll know at least what that first action is. Well, yes. And we go back to what Nito said. You have an idea of the direction, but the clarity of what you need to do comes from the journey. You got so it. So don't put that pressure on yourself in the beginning. 
know the first question. First question, what are my waypoints? What are the three or four metrics I know if I'm hitting them, I'm going to be on my way. It's like driving in fog, right? You've got, <laughs> you've got the GPS, but you don't know how many red lights you're going to hit along the way. You, you, you can only see a car length in front of you. And as you continue going, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to hit traffic or not that's going to slow me down or, right. what I, or if I'm going to have to stop and use the restroom or if it's going to take me too long to where I need to get some food along the way and stop and rest, right? I, I hope, I'm sure everyone's picking up the metaphor, but when you're driving in the fog, it's like, I can't see what's in front of me. Right. And that's why speed is not just about how fast. You get more speed when you do the right actions and you may not be going as fast as somebody else, but you may get to the end result faster. Does that make sense? It sure does. Yeah. Right on. And, and so what, one of the things we talk about in the book, you know, for the velocity mindset is the auto to pause. Sometimes you even need to gain velocity by stopping. So uh, I'll show oh, yeah, you that's what I'm saying. Grab some food. Right? Yeah. So my first sales job was selling copiers. 1980. Oh, how I fun. I was seduced by Royal Business Machines. It was the first plain bond copier. So they went from liquid toner to dry bond toner. They were so proud of it. 15 pristine copies. Where's the collator? Don't worry, it'll be here in six months. Where's the duplicate? It'll be here in six months. So now I'm going and selling a copier, right? Unless you work in a law firm or a print shop, most people don't even know what a copy machine is anymore, man. Oh, that's, that's true. I'm dating myself. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, I do, of course. Yeah, but no, it's, right. it's just so, interesting. Uh, yeah. So a copy is like you printed it today. Okay? Yep. Let's put it that way. So I go into an office manager and I said, hey, you know, I sell copiers. Well, can you do what the, third, what the machine on the third floor does, the big Xerox that can collate and duplicate? I go, no. Well, come back when you have it. Four months, I didn't sell one thing. Hmm. Remember, if you don't like your reactions, change the action. So I decided to pause. I have what I call a board meeting, me, myself, and I. Went to a <laughs> diner in New Jersey. All three members, yes. Yeah. I said, okay, what's your death? What do you want to do? I want to sell machines. I want to make a certain amount of money. I said, okay, what are you doing now to do it? Well, I'm talking about copiers. What happens? Well, I can't compete with Xerox. Well, then I had to reevaluate. What am I really selling? Am I selling a copier? And one of the things I teach clients, sell outcomes, not the how, the copy is the how. So what is a really copier doing? It's a, communic a communication vehicle for the company. So then maybe I need to switch the conversation from selling a copier to selling a communication vehicle. So I tried it. Didn't know it was going to work. Went out to the next meeting and I said, look, would you agree with me that a copy is nothing more than a communication vehicle? She goes, yes. I said, so what are your biggest challenges when it comes to communications in the present copier system that you have? Oh my God. And Sally or Pete gets up on the first floor for one copy. They got to walk to the staircase, chit chat, go up to the third floor, wait behind all the big jobs. Then they have to make that journey back. It could take them two hours. I said, how much time is lost a week? And she stunned me. She said the equivalent of two full-time employees. Wow. I go, wow. Would you like that back? She goes, how? I said, I'm not competing with Xerox. It's a great machine. Keep it. I'm going to fill the gap for you. You take one of my machines, 15 copies a minute, wait for the one jobs, put one on every floor, you get back two full-time employees. And I started selling three machines at a time. So let's talk about this. Could I easily said, oh, the company screwed me, they promised me it was gonna be here in six months and it is? Sure. Did they fall back on their promises? Sure. 
But the reality is, I still had to make a living. The reality is, I, I st it was still on me to be successful, and yeah. I had to find a way to be successful. That's what I meant. Being a victim or leading yourself out of situations to a better scenario. Ron, I love it, my man. You're an inspiration to a lot of people. And Velocity Mindset, I'm sure, is sold everywhere. Yes, Amazon, everywhere we Amazon, can find it. Amazon, online books, yeah, everywhere yeah. you want. We can find you at roncar.com, R-O-N-K-A-R-R.com. Everyone, the book is Velocity Mindset. The Velocity Mindset. And can I offer your audience something? Let's do it. Everyone likes if, things if they to want, If they want things. a free leadership assessment, all they have to do is go to velocitymindset.com. That's velocitymindset.com. It's a free leadership assessment you rate yourself. But it's not just a rating. You then get best practices and tips on how you can move forward in those areas in your life. So that's totally free. Um, you can download a free chapter if you want or buy the book. And then you'll see everything else that we're all about. Really awesome. And you know what? If you want to rate and review the show, send a screenshot too, because we'll give you a copy of Velocity Mindset just uh, just for doing that, to, for, the, for the first 10 people to do it. How about that? And I would love that because I, I love your approach on this, my man. Ron Carr, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Rick, for what you're doing in the world and for inviting me to be on.